Hello, I am Pastor Richard Wesley Johnson. You are? Yes, I am. And you are? I am Dr. Corey Little Edwards, and this is the Elusive Dream Podcast. Yes, it is. And we are at episode three of season two, our sophomore season. Yes. Where we are focusing on the role of the black pastor in mobilizing the black church in the 21st century. Yes, we are. Dr. Corey, this all hinges on the book that you co-authored called Smart Suits, Tattered Boots. In fact, everyone, I interviewed Dr. Corey in our last episode. So if you didn't get a chance to peep that, go back and listen to the full length interview. Dr. Corey, what's been the response to the book so far? It's been positive. I'm pretty excited about that. You know, I think what it's been doing is it's been opening up, opening up people's eyes about how to do uh, mobilization and sort of what are the ways in which we can change that uh, in this era and we're in that we're in. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yes, it's been a wonderful contribution to this uh, discussion and a book, honestly, that I wish I had 10 years ago, a decade ago, getting involved as a pastor of a multiracial church and even just figuring out what my role is in that contribution. Well, I've been uh, catching some wind of your presence out there <laughs> in the social medias, you know, because you, you you don't always share your own stuff. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not one that's hanging out on social media a ton. Yeah, you know, I don't tend to share a lot. But yes, I do have a few things going on. You got so a few things. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. this picture. Hold on. I saw this picture oh, no. in this in this little <laughs> bubble. I said, wait a minute. That looked like my Dr. Corey Little Edwards. <laughs> you said, I think I know that person. I think I know her. She ain't tell me nothing. And she ain't said nothing. Not near your word. Two words. Ain't said two words to me. <laughs> But you're going to be speaking at the Mosaics Conference in November later yes, this year. Yes, I'm really grateful to be a part of that. So Mosaics uh, Global Network brought is bringing together a lot of different speakers on this, and I happen to be one of those speakers. So I'm really great. Uh, grateful, rather, to be able to be out there to be speaking about issues of race and the church and uh, racial diversity and racial reconciliation. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I've uh, I've actually never been to the conference myself. I think they host it every three years or something like that. Uh, so now that I now that I know somebody who's up there going to be speaking, <laughs> I might have to slide on down to Dallas, Texas in November. You might have to roll on in. Huh? I might have to roll on in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It's a very it's a really large uh, conference, and a lot of people are there. So you get an opportunity to meet people from across the country and hear diff their stories as it relates to issues of race and diversity in the church and so on. So yeah, yeah it's a it. and it's a racially diverse speaker lineup. Yes. I mean, a lot of these conferences in uh, Christendom, uh, the faces look all the same. That, yes, that can happen. <clears throat> yes. Yes, it can. <laughs> so this is not one of those conferences, though. Correct. Which I am, I am yeah, so grateful yes, for. Yes, yes, yes. So, so including you. both uh, men and women as mm -hmm. well as main speakers. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Well, Dr. Corey, we, we are so honored to have you and to be focusing on uh, your book, Smart Suits, Tattered Boots, this year. Um, I'm honored just to see you out there. I'm praying for you um, as you. well. You on uh, heaven's drumline for justice. <laughs> Thank you for yes. that. That's really encouraging and also humbling. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and folks out there, please be praying for my sister as well. So if y'all are listening to this podcast, um, remember to subscribe on Apple and Spotify and Google Play, all that wonderful stuff. That's right. Yes. Because uh, it helps. It, it does really, help. It really does help. 
I used to not want to say that. Remember that, Pastor Rich? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be like, no, 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 don't say that. But now I realize that it's it's okay. We are to talking about people something to do that, right? Very important. Yeah, and we want people to to listen, and That's we want right. people to hear this information. That's so, right. This year is all about this season uh, of the Elusive Dream Podcast. Season two is all about exploring the role of the black minister and mobilizing the black church. And Dr. Corey, why is it important to focus attention on the black church leader rather than all leaders? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's a really, a really good question, <laughs> Pastor Rich. Why the black church leader? Uh, and and you know what? Of course, all leaders do matter, right? And all leaders have different uh, roles to play. But particularly when it when we talk about dealing with issues of leading as it relates to justice and um, the gospel, living out the gospel in that way, the black religious leader in America is. I would argue the one that it's really has potentially the most equipped to do that well, largely because, as I've already mentioned, um, not only the theoretical ground, not the theor- theological grounding yes. uh, that black religious leaders have, but also um, our historical understanding of what it is to work and as it relates to justice, uh, but also this the community that we have as well, right? Mm-hmm. This community that's... Um, that we experience sort of issues of social injustice, racial injustice. And so I would argue that black religious leaders have um, sort of this this spiritual DNA, so to speak, mm. to be able to do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And I have... I have argued, I continue to argue that, that in fact, black religious leaders ought to be the ones that are in front uh, as it relates to issues of social mobilization in the church, as it relates to issues of justice, particularly racial justice. And your book was really about uh, uncovering where that's happening and why it's not happening more right now. That's right. That's right. So, you know, because in many ways we think about uh, the black church and the ways in which the black church has played an important role mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to dealing with issues of injustice in the United States. And we again, we hearken back to the to the um, civil rights movement and the role that the black religious leader played in that. But of course, black religious leaders played a role for hundreds of years, right, as it right. relates to the types of churches, whether they were on plantations or not. We're mm-hmm. talking back into the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the role of the black religious leader uh, continues to really matter. And yet we also have to pay attention to how is it that the times have changed yes. and what are the ways in which black religious leaders are moving with the times are, or not. And and so I was wanting to explore that. Right. How is it that the black religious leader is mobilizing today? Where are they really um, being effective and where is it they're less have less of an impact? And we're really grateful for uh, the book that includes uh, a lot of that data uh, Mm. and and research interviews with pastors. And uh, we're going to go into uh, some clips of a pastor local here to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let me introduce to everybody who you're going to be hearing on today's episode. Uh, we have uh, Pastor Taylor Gray. Uh, pastor Taylor is from Columbus, Ohio. He is the pastor of Linden Life Fellowship. He's also a hip-hop recording yes, artist. Yes, yes. Come has, on now. Yes, you can <laughs> Google him. He's a sneaker aficionado. 
Um, and he also has two podcasts. This I brother know. Has two podcasts. Uh, he's one rolling of, out. I'm telling you, he's rolling <laughs> out. One of his podcasts is called Make It Plain, yeah. uh, which is two Christians discussing the life and legacy of Malcolm X. It's yeah. a very unique uh, podcast. And the other one is called COVID Community. Okay. He yeah, started yeah. it during the COVID time. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty Y'all wonderful. Y'all got to check them out. Y'all got to check those out. Yes. So, Pastor Taylor is going to open up for us in in talking about uh, the current moment we find ourselves in and how uh, black leaders are engaged right now. And my question to him was, are we too tame today? Mm. Let's check it out, y'all. We can be, you know, like you know, we, we don't live in the social circumstances of Malcolm or Martin, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it has changed in probably the more overt expressions of of suffering and violence and, and disparity. But, you know, we look under the cover of what people may say is post-racial society and we do find the same issues. It's just that now, you know, generations have passed and people are now able to enjoy some of the economic, socioeconomic benefits of progress. And being tame essentially is being safe, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm safe from the consequences of aggressively addressing these problems. And I'll become marginalized if I kind of leave tameness behind and be more bold and direct in attacking the idea of being post-racial or being past this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it serves our interests to, to bottle up and, and not be as radical or, or to be more polite and diplomatic in the way that we address these issues. Pastor Rich, mm-hmm. Pastor Taylor went there, didn't he? He did, he did. And uh, it wasn't one of those planned questions. Yeah. It was one of those things that was spontaneous because yeah. I was curious whether he felt black folks are too tame today. And, and by tame, I mean, um, are we not engaged yeah. and, and why are we not engaged? And he he's he alluded to this. Actually, he said it. We experience the benefits of progress yep. and the benefits of progress actually can work against us. Absolutely. Um, and and it, it can also work against us when we see some progress in the political sphere. For example, um, the government recognizing Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. And then folks think that, okay, we've made progress. Like, would, nobody asked for that. I didn't ask you to recognize. We got another holiday. We got another holiday. I'm not ungrateful for that, but that wasn't what we were asking for. That's not what we were asking for. We did have a black president with a black wife and black children. And, you know, people say, well, hey, look, look what we look what we did. Look look what we did. Right. But that doesn't mean that we are post-racial. Right. Right. That we haven't somehow gotten past race. And so Pastor Taylor was bringing that up as well. And that I thought that was a really good point he made about how we have or some of us, not we, some people, black people in particular, have been able to take advantage of the changes that came as a result of the civil rights movement. So Mm -hmm. we have seen a increase of black people that have that are in the middle class and also being able to separate themselves or ourselves from people who are not of the middle class 
Right. And so there's a sense that, oh, you know, we don't want to risk as he's talking about what we already have. Right. Right. We're going to we're going to be OK and stay safe. Right. Uh, but, because if you if you were to point out mm-hmm. that we're not in a post racial society, that could uh, stigmatize you. Yeah. It could label you as yeah. not being a team player, yeah. depending on where you work or mm-hmm. where you live and where you worship. That's right. That could actually work against you. That's right. Because then what you're doing is you're destabilizing a white supremacist structure, mm-hmm. which in many ways is based on not naming race. That's right. right? So that's sort of the 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 ticket in, is to get in, is to not talk about race. Well, if you're going to talk about race, you're going to talk about how we continue to have a system where white people are privileged and where people of color are oppressed. I mean, the reality is this, Pastor Rich, that we see a really high incarceration rate of black and brown people in the United States, mm. right? Where mm. we have Hispanics make up 19% of the people in this country, but they make up 23% of their prison population. Mm. And we talk about black people who make up 12% of the country they make up 33 percent of the prison population now come on now that come don't make now. nobody sense no, none at don't all. make nobody sense none right and so we have to really pay attention to the extent to which you know we are actually um doing better right i mean there are ways in which some people have been able to again move into the middle class but that doesn't mean that overall we're doing better than we were right. in generations past. We it, are, it is different. It's different. It's, mm-hmm. it's different, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily better. And we have to be uh, clear about that. Yeah, I would I would say that we need we would need to think very uh, clearly about what does success mean? What does now. progress actually mean? What does progress mean? And who gets to define that? That's right. So if the growing black middle class defines this, you know, idea of success and progress, then we are leaving behind a very large percentage of the population of black folk. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and we and we have to recognize that, you know, we do have a linked fate. That's right. <laughs> Our fate is not separate. That's right. Just be of across class. Right. Right. We are black and blackness means something and it leads to uh experiences by which we we do not have as many opportunities are in fact impressed and oppressed in a variety of different ways so you know we we have to pay pay attention to the times that we are in yeah it's not the times of malcolm and martin right but there are real issues of oppression that are continuing today in the 21st century in this country yes and you you point out in the book smart suits uh, tattered boots that this racism has gone underground. Yes. It's not as visible mm-hmm. as it was in the 60s. That's right. There's no uh, there's no like name, there's no like, you know, sign on a, above the door or above the coloreds only. Yeah, we, right. we don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in fact, there are other ways in which you can communicate that there are only certain people allowed in this space and other people have to go in this space, right? So so we are still structured in ways that organize our lives in ways that are racialized. I mean, not only did I talk, we already talked about the incarceration rate, but we can talk about uh, residential segregation is still high as it relates to neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. We can talk about segregation in schools is still high, right? So it still exists and persists, but we aren't really uh, addressing that because it's not formal, right? right? It's not stated. 
One of the things I appreciate about Pastor Taylor is uh, his connection into hip hop culture and the hip hop world. Yes, 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 yes. So I asked him how that how that intersects. And here's what he had to say about that. You you got the the old song the message. Um, it's like a jungle sometimes. Like you know, there there there's somebody living in the circumstances of the Bronx. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, how do I make it from under this? How do I make it from this trap and this cycle of poverty and devastation, crime, drugs, ultimately abandonment? The government has abandoned us. This country has abandoned us, and yeah. and so get these reflections and say broken glass everywhere you know i i I mean literally like vivid imagery of the scene and it's like Mm -hmm. money is 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 capitalism becomes commentary and from Mm -hmm. that moment like you know where grandmaster flash is is articulating this for a, a wider audience then you you develop like a sense that this community has something to say from the places of poverty and pain and then it morphs into like this huge commercial machine that we have now today where yeah. some of the same reflections are there, but you know, you also get like some of those graphic expressions of humanity that are unedited. So yeah. Uh, yeah. the church has a weird relationship with hit hip hop, you know, from a history historical standpoint and also kind of like from a current application standpoint. Ooh, Pastor Taylor coming out with it, Pastor yeah, Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got? We talking about Grandmaster Flash what up in you here. Know about Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> Don't push me, cause, cause I'm, I'm close, close to the, the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> oh, it's like a juggle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going, going under. under. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Man, I tell you, that is so true. That was a mm. word mm-hmm. that Pastor Taylor brought up, right? And I'm so glad he's able to really bring in the arts. Because you know, Pastor Rich, yes. I love the power of the arts. The power of the arts. Right? The power of the arts because, you know, it can really communicate something so mm. quickly and tap into our emotions so quickly mm-hmm. in a way that other um, genres and mediums can't quite do, right? right? So I just love that Pastor Taylor is really pulling on the arts to communicate and sh- really showing us that that's so powerful and important. And in many ways, I would argue spiritual. I listened to a, a, a speech of MLK that he gave at a middle school in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's called The Blueprint for Your Life. Okay. You got to look this up. All right now. And in his introduction, he invites people to uh, the Spectrum. It was brand new Spectrum where basketball, the Philadelphia 76ers played because they were going to have a concert and a rally. Wow. So he talked about the other artists who were going to be there. Come yes. on out. Y'all know Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Come right on out of here. So he's engaging in that creative art as well and inviting middle school students to get engaged and get involved. Come on now, right? Seeing the power of art. Seeing the power of art. Yeah, so I love that Pastor Taylor is doing that. And, you know, what I I think about as he's bringing up sort of the role that hip-hop played, I mean, this is really coming to the fore, right, in my generation of Generation X. That's when hip-hop is really coming on the scene. Mm -hmm. And it does really speak to what 
we were going through and what we were experiencing in a way that other uh, genres of music was not doing. That's right. right? And, um, and so, you know, you, I know you're familiar with, you know, public do, enemy. come on, public yep. enemy. Yep. Come on now. Fight the power. Hello. Hey, <laughs> fight the power. Yes. That be? Yes. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Me tell us so powerful. And I remember, you know, that and do the right thing. Can you remember the scene? Oh, yes. Right. Right. Oh, so we yes. have Spike Radio Lee Raheem. again, using art mm-hmm. to communicate what's going on in the city. How how we are dealing with life in the city, right? So we see that the power of hip hop uh, is really really matters, right? And it matters for a particular generation onward, generation X onward. Yes, and not you know, but the issue is that it didn't really make its way, as Pastor Taylor was talking about, into the church. And in fact, in many ways, it was you know kind of excluded, rejected, right? right? right. Hip-hop became that place where people could talk honestly and vulnerably about race, about oppression, Mm -hmm. and about struggle. That used to be in the church. Come on now. The church used to be the town hall center, the town square, where those things were discussed, Mm -hmm. where people felt they could find healing and hope. But that moved from the church to the street. That's right. That's right. It moved to the street and moved with the artist on the street. Right. And mm-hmm. somebody needed to talk about it. Right. Somebody mm-hmm. needed to talk about the kind of racism that we are dealing with that's yes. post-civil rights. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. We're not dealing We're- with Jim Crow era segre- um, segregation anymore, racism right. anymore. We're talking right. about this stuff that's on the street where we are experiencing all kinds of oppression in the schools, in the neighborhood, by police, and so on. So we need to really speak to these issues. Right. And so people have to find a place. They have to find and a, a place. And a place was found. And a place was found in the medium that became hip-hop. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I really appreciated the way he, he also mentioned that hip-hop was able to speak to the abandonment that... Mm. Uh, people felt abandonment by the government Mm -hmm. abandonment by the school system that was supposed to prepare them for the real world uh dealing with abandonment issues and and even when we're talking about mobilization of the church uh with the community Mm -hmm. we've got to remember this abandonment feeling mentality still exists in the community yes they've they've been abandoned by the government are they going to be abandoned by the church as well? That's right. That's right. Mm. They and we. And we. Yeah, right. Come on. <laughs> we're together. Yeah. You're saying that we we're, we're, don't separate it. Uh-huh. That's what you're articulating yeah. right there. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, this is a we. We are together. Yeah, and so and so we have to remember it's mm. a we. We have to remember it's a we. Amen. You know, we in this together. Amen. I asked Pastor Taylor as well, uh, because he's a native of this city, mm-hmm. he's been given some opportunities to sit with uh, what you articulate in the book as Princi- legacy leaders. Principal leaders. Principal leaders. <laughs> yes. Principal leaders. I'm sorry. Why well, I keep calling them legacy leaders? I don't leaders. know. I That's guess what you, you like to call them that. That's you know, what? I'm going to rewrite your book. <laughs> <laughs> the principal leaders uh, and the principal leaders are these uh, ministers who have served decades before, but actually hold the keys to how things are done in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of things I, you know, one, one thing I would say is, is the future of the church is collaboration. You know, I think what we have done, at least built in terms of a church dynamic in our city, and this is not just the black church, this is kind of an effect of churches all across the country, is we've we've kind of constructed a a dynamic of competition. And Mm -hmm. 
one up mm-hmm. like one person's work that God has called them to is is almost like in response to somebody else's work that God has called them do to, to do instead of collaborating to find out how we complement one another to mm-hmm. to like establish a communication dynamic of trust to say like listen brother I appreciate and affirm everything God's calling you to do and and listen sister I love that you are so gifted in this area that I don't know how I would ever operate in and then come back to the table to see how we can mobilize all of our resources together for a collective end. Another part of it, you know, to me that, you know, that I I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think I have agreement quite yet on, (laughs) on, on this part of it is, um, I think that we, we have to kind of revisit our theology you know, as, as a church, you know, I think the Western perspective of what it means to be a church and to, and to form our understanding around the scriptures and the Bible. Um, I think we need a fresh look at that, you know, and I think we need to look in other places of the world to inform our perspectives of, Mm. of how we approach the future, you know, Mm. And Mm -hmm. the way we preach the gospel may sound very different, but how do we lay claim on the essence and preserve, preserve that, you know, because that affects traditions that have, that affects like our disciplines, our practices. You and I have talked about a number of ways that this could play out, you know, in the, the disciplines of the church, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's more contemplative and and spending time like having some sense of meditation and understanding of of our all personal wholeness as it relates to our effectiveness in the call that the gospel gives us man we got to look elsewhere for that well dr corey my first reflection in hearing that again from pastor taylor is that I need to know my role. Mm. And I, you know, I went to Morehouse College mm-hmm. to be like Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah. I think because I was idealizing what it looked like to be engaged in works of justice. Yeah. And that meant specifically to be on the front lines. Mm-hmm. But there are many, many roles. And there are many churches that play a role in the mobilization together. Mm-hmm. So some leaders are going to be on the front line. Some leaders are going to be writing. Some are going to be creative artists. Yes. Some are going to be spiritual advisors to those who serve on the front lines, yeah. contemplative leaders. Um, there's going to be other roles for folks, sociologists mm-hmm. who can highlight the many ways that we can mobilize even better. That's right. That's right. And so as, as we begin to think about um, ourselves as not disjointed, that we aren't working on separate agendas, if we begin mm-hmm. to see that we can work together and collaborate, as Pastor Taylor says, and we can begin to move forward rather than working in our own little silos uh, is really important. Another thing I think is really important is that the civil rights movement generation or pastors that are still sort of drawing on that civil rights movement legacy and for which it's really important. And I want to emphasize that it is important. Mm -hmm. We do not want to underemphasize by any means what the civil rights movement pastor did and what they accomplished. It was short of a miracle or if it was, maybe it was miraculous, right? right? 
I mean, right. come on now, we cannot right. do that. However, we also have to recognize that we are in a different era. And so we want to be able to take what was learned during that era, and we want to be able to take what people are learning from younger generations in this era, trust one another's insight and perspectives and bring those all to the table. I think that what's been missing is that some generations might say, well, we have the answer. Another generation says, no, we have the answer, rather than saying we all can work together to create mm-hmm. the answer. That's right. And that's the, that's the collaborative way to move forward. Do you feel like there was more collaboration in the 60s than there is now? Oh, wow. I mean, what we know is that there were multiple organizations working toward the same goal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we had, we have... Nationally, too. Nationally, Not right? just locally. Not just locally. We have local sort of chapters that are connected with other chapters nationally, right? So there was right. definitely this coordination. So you have the SCLC, you have SNCC, right? Mm-hmm. And these are different generations. These are different groups of people, but working toward the same goal now. Mm. And you had CORE as well, right? And that's common, in movements to have different groups working together toward the same goal, not always in unison, not always doing the exact same thing, not always agreeing, but but working together in some way, right? Communicating yes. in some way. And we can begin to do that today, but we also have to trust and respect the work that these different groups, different generations are doing. That's I'm right. super grateful that Pastor Taylor mentioned the role that women Mm-hmm. Have can play, have played, have played, should be playing right. uh, in the movement as well. Both the movement of the '60s, both right. the movement in the 19th century, and even today. Right? We That's cannot right. forget that the Black Lives Matter movement was started by and continues to be guided by Black women. That's right. And so this again is really important. We have to see everybody's contribution, value everybody's contribution, begin to work together as we challenge issues of white supremacy and move towards a society that is racially just and equitable. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Dr. Corey. And and what Pastor Taylor also mentioned about revisiting theology, mm. our theology of church, our ecclesiology. What does it Come mean for now. us to be a church and even encouraging us to think broadly as global Christians? Let's not forget uh, Martin Luther King broadened his theology when he made his trip to India. That's right. As he was led by Benjamin and Elijah Mays to explore what not violence would look like. Mm-hmm. And that helped to reshape his understanding of the good news of the gospel yeah. led by a nonviolent leader named Jesus Christ. Come on now. Come on now. And I really am grateful that Pastor Taylor brought up the issue of theology as well, because that is going to be critical for how we approach and think about justice and how to deal with justice, mm-hmm. right? That if we are thinking of theology, if we're thinking of justice as an individual fact, or are we thinking about this as a collective issue? What are we looking at when we look at scripture? How are we interpreting scripture and the ways in which we need to go about bringing change in the world? And so I'm so grateful that Pastor Taylor brought this up because in fact, Pastor Rich, we talked about this in our last season when we brought up a variety of different uh, theologians. That's right, right? Mm -hmm. We talked Mm -hmm. about James Cone, Mm -hmm. right? We talked about Gutierrez. That's right. right? We talked about Thurman. Right. Right. We talked talked about um, Teresa Fry Brown. We brought up a lot of different 
theologians and their ideas and how they understand the good news. And so we want to really think about how we are understanding the gospel, and then that will inform not only how we think and believe, but can also inform what we do and how we do stuff together. That's right. So, Dr. Corey, uh, as I'm thinking about mobilizing Mm. the black church, I have in this, I have in my mind the black leaders Mm. who were assassinated. Yeah. I have in my mind the black leaders like Martin Luther King and yeah. Malcolm X. Medgar Evers. Medgar Evers. Yes, very active, right? NAACP. And mm-hmm. so what we have here are leaders who were mm-hmm. taken away from us too soon, certainly, yeah. but then leave a void. Young but men. not just leave a void, they also lead to grief. Grief mm. that is unhealed, grief that we feel mm. in our bodies that mm. is revisited mm. each time we hear a story of a black man or woman who is shot and killed. Yeah, yeah. These things are in our minds. And I have to wonder how much of that impacts us today. Yeah. So I asked Pastor Taylor, how, how much is that in, in his mind or ought to be in our minds today? Good question. Well, I mean, it, it definitely kind of reinvigorates, hopefully reinvigorates the conversation around the idea of counting the cost, you mm. know, um, and particularly in justice work, you know, as black people, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, our investment is full bodied, you know, like you, you've got to put everything on the line. It's not just theory and philosophy and possibility and idealism. It's... Right you are physically at risk, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you truly see this through. And both of their lives give us an opportunity to, to really consider that, like in, in what we're trying to accomplish and ultimately how people reflect on our lives. You know, at, at the time, I, I, could, I could see either one of them being assassinated uh, in real time as, as like a cautionary tale, you know, for... Mm-hmm pastors and leaders to say like you know am i am i really trying to take it that far you know like am i really willing to put it all on the line that's in one sense and maybe in another sense is to say you know what this convicts me to the core to see somebody take this kind of uh devotion and and missional investment to its fullest extent if you reflect on the gospel at all you know, you, you see at the end of a young man's life, a person who was willing to sacrifice it all in order for those who he was sacrificing for to be saved. So, I mean, it's a powerful reflection. It should, it can invigorate you in that sense if it doesn't become a cautionary tale. Pastor Rich, my goodness, what a word. Yes that Pastor Taylor um, left us with there and a convicting word. Yes. I mean, you know, as he made that connection to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and also sacrificing um, themselves in their 30s to save us, I mean, the making that connection to, to Martin um, as well as, as Malcolm, I thought was really you know, profound. Um, 
I mean, spoke to me. What are your What are your thoughts, Pastor Rich? I'm reflecting on Jesus's words, not to fear men who can kill the body, but not the soul. Mm. And that Jesus, as he's discipling uh, a radical group of followers to do something that they couldn't imagine themselves doing. How do we stand up against these religious authorities? How do we face this Roman empire? He encourages them. Don't fear man who can kill the body but not destroy the soul. Mm, Your mm, soul mm. is something that is powerful. The world Mm. didn't give it and the world cannot take it away. Mm. And so it is an encouragement, you know, for us, even as we see the lives of leaders taken, uh, we know that though their bodies are gone, their soul still lives on. Yeah. Their words still resonate and still speak to us. And so when they thought they could take out the movement by taking out the leader, uh, somebody said, we don't die. We multiply. It's time to multiply Mm -hmm. out here in this current time. Yeah. It's time to multiply, multiply. Um, I'm also reminded too, though, uh, ministers, we're not Jesus. So Mm. though Jesus knew (laughs) that he would need to sacrifice his life to die, we are not Jesus. Take care of yourselves. That's right. Pace yourselves, rest, recreate, laugh, enjoy, play, um, get filled up, stay connected to other leaders who are in the same work and in the same struggle. Mm -hmm. So I urge us to take care of ourselves and remind ourselves that we are not Jesus. Yeah, we are not Jesus. Uh, and, and our, and our hope is that we would follow what we believe, um, God has encouraged us to do, mm-hmm. right? So we have talked before about being in touch with what we feel the Spirit is, is speaking to us mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do and what not to do mm-hmm. and where we are to lay down our lives and where we are not. So that is also a really um, important part of this process. And it's really also a part of spiritual growth and spiritual um, development, That's right. right? Knowing, as you mentioned, Pastor Rich, that we are not to be worried about who can kill the body. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not what our emphasis on. We are about focusing on the sovereignty of God and where is God leading us. That's right. Well, Dr. Corey, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you so much for sharing this commentary on Pastor Taylor. Hey, everyone. Did y'all have a good time today? Yes, yes, yes. I hear you out there. Yes, Pastor Rich, we had a good time. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Elusive Dream Podcast. As always, share, subscribe, and leave us a review, please. We'd love to know how this conversation is informing you. Yes, that would be wonderful. And by the way, I also want to mention the website where you can listen to all of our episodes from season one and season two. Yes. www.elusivedream.co. That's, That's right. C-O. Shout out to Urban Arts Creative for our website. And we also got some great stuff there for you all. The first season reflection guide for free. That's right. Free 99. Free 99. It cost us something. It cost us something. (laughs) Some time and energy. (laughs) Some time and energy. 
but it's free for y'all. We're yes. delighted to share that with you. Yes. Um, so go ahead and uh, look around the website, see what else you find there that might be helpful. We've got some other ways that we're going to engage with you. So please stay tuned to the Elusive Dream Podcast. Dr. Corey, remind our listeners what we're all about here. Well, the dream may be elusive, but it is attainable. That's right. 